So we have the, uh, the Global Presence Tour, GPT 2020, uh, in Sydney in two weeks' time, Wednesday night. And, uh, and the title of my message for that night is All Things Are Possible. Uh, I just preached that in New Zealand because I am believing that we will see a real rise in miracles. So number one, if you have a need yourself in, at any level, I'm not just talking about healing. I'm talking about you want to buy a house, you want to sell a house, you want to get married. You, well, just stay with that one. Amen. You, uh, and you want, you, want to, you want to get your finances in, under control. You need a breakthrough in some area. I am making an appointment with God on that Wednesday night for you that that is exactly what's going to be happening. And let me tell you, all things are possible. We... Uh, we had a prophet come through recently, Michael Maiden, and he said, I've never been in a, a group of churches that are so conforming to what I would say is the New Testament pattern, uh, exactly what God was looking for. He says, I go to a lot of really sharp churches. They are well run, they're well oiled. They've got beautiful, talented, gifted people doing all sorts of things. But he said, you guys also have the power of the Holy Spirit amongst you. Because you've welcomed the Holy Spirit to have free reign amongst you, which is, which is a wonderful thing. And we've always been into that. A lot of churches rejected the Holy Spirit, not because they didn't like Him, but they didn't like a lot of the loopy people who came along with it, apparently. And uh, they, they said, we don't want this, these unusual, weird experiences happening in church because newcomers find it pretty hard to take a hold of. And that's true. So we've, however, realised that you're going to have the Holy Spirit and without being weird, without being a loopy person, uh, without being strange. And so uh, that is part of what the Global Presence Tour is. It is projecting a really big part of who our culture is. The second reason you should come is not just for yourself, but the person you bring, the unsaved person, the person who's never met Jesus, the person who's got a lot of problems in their life, the person who has got a sickness that they can't get healed, the person who needs a miracle. And I am making an appointment with God that night, every night we hold this global presence to, her, to see miracles come to pass. And so I will be focusing specifically on that area. And uh, I've been looking at the word possible and impossible in Scripture, and it's mentioned a lot. Do you know who by? Pretty much only Jesus. He said all things are possible. How good is that? How good is that? I was just, and, and nothing is impossible. And this doesn't apply just to big miracles in your life. Uh, I was talking with your pastor here uh, this week. We had breakfast together. And I was just telling him about a little experience I had recently where I changed my phone over. You know, when you change, you get a new phone and all, all the stuff's meant to migrate into your new phone if you just put it next to it or you use a wire or something. Well, I went through a process where it didn't happen. And so I had to reload everything and download everything. And remembering passwords, you know what that's like. Finding passwords and you enter it in two, three times, they just shut you down. Well, Facebook did that to me. Instagram did that to me. I know they're owned by the same thing. Twitter did that to me. These are my communication channels and people are 
sending me messages and I can't, I can't reply because I can't get in. And I gave it to my IT wizards over at Oxford Falls and they were messing around with it and nothing happened. Uh, and because they couldn't, about three different people have on staff have done my passwords and left their phone numbers. And so they're doing this two-step authentication thing where they said, we've sent, we've sent the number to your, your trusted phone. It's not coming up on my phone. It must be on Alex Farncombe's phone or somebody who's left, you know, and they're getting, your, your code is like, and they've got no idea of what. So anyway, we, we, nobody was finding out how to do it and didn't know what to do. And they're saying these people don't have any support centres. They don't ring you back. There's nobody you can talk to. It's only robots. And, and so, in fact, one of my girls said, I just gave up. I couldn't figure out. So for two weeks, this was going on. And, and then I, I said, well, I'm sick of all this, uh, leaving it to the experts and trusting in them. I'm going to fix it. And I just, once you've made that decision and you believe you can do a thing, it's amazing what you release. Wow. Amazing the wisdom you get and amazing that when people are just trying to do something, nothing's going to happen. When people are attempting and they're relying on their expertise, but you, all you need is somebody who says, I'm going to do this. And I get that determination on the inside of me about a whole range of things. I'm going to do this. And as soon as I've got that, the power of God is with me. And it doesn't matter how difficult the situation is, I'm going to do it. Once I've got that, I don't know how I'm going to slay that giant, but I'm going to do it. Then I go, I know I can do this. I got the decision and now I got the faith. You get those two things in harmony, miracles will happen. Needless to say, I shamed all of our IT wizards. I am now back on, on every single one of those things. And I'm not gonna explain to you how I did it because it'll take too long. However, nothing's impossible. I feel like dropping this thing. Nothing, nothing is impossible. So Global Presence Tour, you better be there with yourself and with your friend. Don't say I'm with you in spirit. I want your body down there. And, and, and then as we, as we do that together and we get our faith on, it will change your life, sweetheart. It will change your world. Some of us haven't even begun to tap even a little of our potential. Well, I've tapped my IT potential, people. Come on. I've done that before, though. When, when we started our church, well, it, when the internet came along and, and uh, everybody's going, ooh, ah, how amazing is this? I said to our staff, we need a website. They said, what's a website? I said, it's one of these things where you locate yourself on the internet. They said, who would want that? Who's ever going to go there? Who's going to look at that? I got such resistance. I went out and I downloaded a thing called Net Objects Fusion. And with that, I created our first website. And it worked. It was a bit clunky, you know, but it had about 20 pages of ministries and where you could go and how you could do things. And it might have been the first in Australia. But after a while, these guys got up to speed and they said, Pastor, that website you've, you created, is, it's really not up to scratch. I said, really? Well, thanks for telling me. You go right ahead, knock one up for us. When I started our school 
1983. I had staff members who would not send their children to the school. They disagreed with Christian education. They said it's like a like you're secluding them from the real world and they're just going to be a hothouse Christian. I said, well, whatever, but I'm going to start a school. And we did start a school. And we've graduated 30,000, I don't know, guys like this, people all over. You were captain there or something. Or chaplain. You're, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and so... Mitch, one of our pastors here in the city at Roselle, he went right through that school. And uh, so many of our youth. And, and, and it turns over like in excess of $20 million a year with all these students. We're just putting up another in excess of $20 million building, dollar building. That thing is, it, we've got people banging on the door trying to get in. And uh, it has blessed so many people. Did you go there? Yeah. School captain, you were too. She was a school captain. That's right, I do remember. Just, so the, just some of the great... Did you go there, Mitch? No. No, I didn't think you did. That's, I, I, you know, I can see that rebel thing about you. Yeah. All I'm saying to you is that, is that when, when you decide to get your faith on and you decide I'm going to that, that global presence to a meeting, I'm going to get stuff. I'm going there with that attitude. And I want us all to get buses, get cars, get as many people as we can. And we're going to have an awesome time. That's not what I'm preaching about this morning. But I just like rambling around here because you're my old friends over here and I haven't seen you for a while. Chris Heikick, my old buddy who I remember going to Singapore with Chris when we first took on this church. I thought, I want to, I want to get to know some of these guys. And he was obviously a key player in amongst him and Mick and just two of my most favourite men in all the world. Don't get any ideas. I, I don't have favourite men. You know, I mean, I, I just, just, just friends yeah, of, of that ethnicity. And uh, of course, there's Patrick of his particular ethnicity as well. And there's, you know, the rest of you. Amen. But it's, it's, uh, it's just a, a delight to, to come out and, uh, and actually be in the huddle out the back and see the incredible job that uh, Alex and Jesson are doing with you guys. Honestly, he is... Uh, if, if I didn't go to Oxford Falls, I'd come here uh, to this church and uh, to know that these guys are leading, they're going to take you somewhere, they care about you, and uh, they've got it down. Well, I've got about, uh, you know, 17 minutes or so to, to talk about a really big and uh, deep matter with you. And I know we're in March already, but this message I shared with Oxford Falls uh, at the beginning, well, as soon as I was back on preaching, which is in February, actually, after I took a sabbatical. And... Uh, and, and so I, I haven't been here since that sabbatical. And I took that after we were, uh, took a few shots in the, uh, in the press or on the, t- on the TV. And uh, I thought, well, I'll take a break now just for three months. Well, I didn't think, my team told me to take a break. And being a very submissive and obedient. <laughs> Why are you laughing, you? Being a very submissive and obedient person. I did what I was told, not without um, 
you know, opposition, uh, I, I found it hard to find my brakes. But anyway, eventually got them and had a really good uh, three months, which I hadn't had a sabbatical for 40 years. So I thought, this is good. My wife especially thought it was good. She, she probably didn't even want to come back. Amen. Uh, we're both in our mid-60s and we could easily stay away. I know you thought he was only 40. Yeah, but... Uh, Costs a lot of money to look this good. But don't tell current affair. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right. Uh, no, I haven't spent any money on it at all. Probably need to. Probably need to. Get rid of this stuff, you know, wobbling around under there. And uh, a bit of this. This is goodness. and That's mercy. They said, I'll follow you all the days of your life. <laughs> I eat muffins, I think. This is goodness and this is mercy. And I should just sellotape them on there, right? You know, just... But anyway, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's life in the fast lane. Here, here is, uh, at the beginning of this year, I said to our Oxford Falls congregation, I said, okay, if you could only name one pursuit for this year, you're only allowed to have one main quest. What would it be? And uh, it's an interesting question because that is what you actually are limited to. Uh, you've only got so much energy. You've only got so much finances. You've only got so much time. What are you going to give the most of that to and the least of it to? I know people who are completely addicted to gaming on videos, like they're 40 years old, 40 to 45. Other 45 year olds are the biggest users of game consoles wow. around the world. Amazing. How wild is that? Yeah. Well, that's just wasting your life away. Yeah. I mean, that's almost as bad as having political arguments with strangers on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I mean, th- th- what a wonderful way to spend your life. There are better ways to spend your life. And, and we need to actually aim for the highest and give our best for our highest and reserve the least for the least. The things that don't matter that much, they might let them consume time and energy at the lowest levels. But what we're going to give our heart and soul and mind to should be the highest pursuit. So... What was uh, Paul's quest uh, in Philippians 3, 7? He said, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, we, we, talked, we sang about speaking the name Jesus over people. That's not like a magical incantation. That's not like a superstitious thing we do. It comes out of a personal relationship. And that's what Paul was wanting. I want to not just have Jesus. I want to know Jesus Christ, my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So he didn't say, I've given up taking drugs so to follow Jesus. He says, I've given up things that are gain to me. Things that are 
I've, I've given up a whole lot of money. I mean, when you hear that tithing message, who cares if you never get anything back? You just give it to the Lord with hands open wide. Uh, I, I've given up a pursuit of my own agenda. I don't want my own agenda. I don't have an agenda. I've, I've given up my life, my everything. I've, I give it up that I might win Jesus. It's not just giving it up. And the reason he's saying that is because there's always these things are threatening to get in between us and him. And I know every morning when I get up to pray, as, as I begin to pray, I get burdens off my heart. I get any needs I've got before the Lord. But if I find there's something in between me and God, an unresolved sin or a desire that I want something more than Him, things that are gain for me. I paint paintings and uh, I got invited to exhibit in the Chinese, in the Australian segment of, a, of an event that Australia was holding in China to show off Australian wares. And I could sell the paintings and I estimated how much I could do. I could do 25 paintings and pitch them at around about an average of $10,000 each and that would be $250,000. That'll be a tidy little sum. Put for the, some for the building fund just to get my conscience at rest. Amen. But... <laughs> You know, one day while I was, because I started to get all these photos and things, started to prepare the canvases and whatever, and painting for me is not even in my mind, never. I hardly ever think about it, I have occasional thoughts, but it's out here. It's, it's not even in my peripheral vision. But I was preaching one morning, and as I was preaching, I could see, I started thinking about, well, oh, that painting would be good too. While I was preaching, these thoughts are starting to come, and it started to mean a lot to me. Oh, it'd be international fame, open more doors, it'll get things rolling, it's worth a lot of money. And so all this stuff is coming around, it's getting in my view. Uh, between me, it's actually occupying a space which it shouldn't be. So I, I told my art agent, I said, cancel it all. They said, what? It's, so, it's such, a, such a great opportunity. I said, I don't want it. It's, it's getting in between me and... And the Lord, it's, it's starting to mean too much to me. I can't see him anymore. I can't see him clearly. I got, I got a little idol in between me and him. And, uh, and I need to get rid of that idol. And so, and so I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Jesus comes at a price. Salvation's free, but... But the price has always been the same, which is beautiful. It's everything. And when you, when, you, when you can let go of something that is getting in between you and the Lord, because it's more important than Him to you, then there will come that moment for most every one of us where our heart is tested, where our devotion is tested. And He says uh, down in, in verse 9, And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, depends on faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. So the, that I may know Him was Paul's great pursuit. That was his, this 
one thing I am pursuing. And he, he makes that the whole pursuit of his life. And, and let me tell you this. When you have honestly tasted Jesus, nothing else much compares. I guess the, 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 the idea that, that I may know him is, is the awesome part of this because I'm not sure that too many people do know him. I think they hope he's there. They imagine he's there. They, they assume he's there. They suppose he's there. But they don't know. If you know him, it's not like he's an imaginary friend. You've encountered the risen Jesus Christ. He is real. This is not pretending. And sometimes it's simply that we have not calmed our soul and gotten alone to actually get to know him. Because he is talking here about an experience. He's talking here about feeling a presence. He's not talking about some theological positioning. Well, yes, I know the Lord. Well, what do you mean? I know Mick Sabat because I've met him. I've shaken his head. Well, fist pumped him. And I've, I know Alex Lee because I've talked with I don't suppose I know him. I don't think I know him or assume he's here or imagine I know him. I know him. When people say to me, well, I don't believe in God. I say, well, that's weird because I know him. It'd be like saying, I don't believe in your father. I know him. And he knows, and I know he knows me. And there are too many subjective experiences for me to deny that reality. So I guess I'm asking you, do you know him? And if you... If, you, if you're struggling with that, is there something there that means more to you? Or is there just a lack of focus and attention to actually starting to walk with Him? This is called practicing the presence of God. When I first went on this uh, sabbatical, I was reading a lot of leadership books and church books and I was writing a commentary I'm doing on the Bible. And, I, and then eventually I, I felt like, I don't really want to be getting into that realm of church life because this is what I do all the time. So I just went into my own personal spiritual life with God and I started to read what might be known as the mystics of Christianity. Not all of them, but a few of them. Just to, talk, to think about exactly what I'm talking to you about today because I'm not sure we talk about it enough. That right at the core of this entire thing we're doing is a person. And we're doing it for him and through him and by him. And he's at the center. I'm orbiting around him. And I believe we've got Christian consumerism and Christian narcissism where we're at the center and God's revolving around us. We're saying, I want you to do this for me. I need a husband, I need a wife. I need you to give me a car. It's like he's the divine Santa Claus. But that's, that's not what he came for. He came to fulfill an original intention he had 
for every one of us because He loves us. And that is to know us and for us to know Him and for us to walk together in our garden, our garden of Eden. He wants you to walk with Him every day. That doesn't mean I assume He's here. I hope He's here. It's knowing He's there. And if you are living in a conscious knowledge of the presence of the Lord, it will modify everything about you. It will modify the way you think, the pace at which you walk, your focus on what you're doing, your relationship with other people. His presence, not what you think Christianity is, but His presence in your world changes everything. I want to give you three little keys that'll help you just walk with Christ. Before you do something, look to the Lord. Okay, whatever it is, you're looking for your car keys. Just look to the Lord. Or you're about to see a client, look to the Lord. You're a dentist. This is just seventh person today. Just look to the Lord before each patient. Lord, I look to you. You're about to eat a meal. Lord, I look to you. I'm about to start a new project. Lord, I look to you. Include him in the beginning of anything. Okay, the second thing is, while you're doing it, look to the Lord. <laughs> while you're doing it, say, Lord, I just, this is awesome. I look to you for strength. I look to you for the courage to say the things I need to say to this client. Lord, I look to you for the wisdom to know which tooth to pull out. Amen. Lord, I look to you for. So you look to him. And then when you finish doing whatever it is you're doing, look to the Lord and say, thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks for helping me out with this thing. It's, it's a pretty simple three-step. Anybody can do it. And you might say, well, man, that would be like, He'd be there in everything. Yes. Exactly. Because yes. a lot of our lives, we simply ignore Him. Oh, and come back to church on Sunday and say, Hi, how are you? I'll see you next week. And uh, it's actually a life He wants you to walk with. So that when you are speaking to a person, they notice something about you. An untouchable, invisible thing that they just say, You know what? There's something about you. Honestly, we we are not alone in this losing Jesus problem. Two people who you would think would never in their entire world misplace Christ was his own mother and father. Can you believe that? They went for a day's journey, a whole day's journey, supposing He was with them. I could give you scriptures, but we're sort of running close to time. So they just supposed he's around. He's in the house. He's in our family. I'm a Christian family. I suppose he's around someone, but he wasn't. They didn't feel him. They didn't see him. They didn't know him. When Christ is with you, it's an experience. All you need to do is look at him. It's not a theological positioning. Like I said before, It's an experience. And so they went back and for three days, they took three days to find him. They didn't even think they could find him in the streets of Jerusalem. But then 
they had this weird thought, maybe we should go down to church. Maybe he's down there. That's where you'll find Jesus. Down at church. There he was at church all the time. Two disciples after the death of Jesus are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Emmaus means hot baths. These are two disciples. They want to go to the spa. They need a little comfort because they're all depressed. And they're talking to each other in a very depressed way. And Jesus comes up and he says to them, what's this sad conversation you're having? They said, haven't you heard? He said, heard what? Jesus is dead. He said, really? Oh. So he started to show them. He said, can I give you a little Bible study? Of all the journeys I would have liked to have done with Jesus was that seven kilometre journey, having a Bible study with him saying, and then do you see this? Do you see this? And for for seven kilometres, they didn't understand that it was him. Depression will prevent you from seeing him. Negativity will prevent you from seeing him. You got to switch your faith on and say, he's with me. I got faith in God. And, and as long as you are focusing on all the negatives in your world and it's making you sad, it's going to be difficult to connect with him. Finally, when they get to Emmaus, they said, because then they said, it is, it's him. Wow. <laughs> in communion, they said, whoa, it's Jesus. And he disappeared. And then they said, you know, we started that journey with cold hearts. By the end of it, we were on fire. So it's not, just, it's not just that Jesus is there. He will set you on fire again. Get your passion back. What are you on fire about this year? I asked myself that question. It took me a while to answer it, actually. What am I on fire about now in 2020? I'm really on fire about a bunch of things. In fact, I got a list of about 10. I'm on fire. But I put the the top ones at at the top. That fire comes out of walking with Him. And if you invite Jesus into your life, I mean, when it says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking, He's not talking about a a person who doesn't believe in God. He's talking about a church. He says, I'm standing at the door of your church your heart, church. I'm standing at the door of your personal life, believer. Would you let me into your life? I know you're saved. I know you've accepted the blood and you've said, Jesus Christ is my Saviour, but I really actually want to sit down and have a meal with you. I want to have fellowship with you. Like, right? That's why He died. So that you and I could walk together with God. So whatever we've got in our world that is obscuring that view, whatever we've got in our world that's not not really touching Him, if we've got a sad conversation that we're replaying over and over in the inside of our, our thinking, maybe if we turn that off and switch on a different conversation where we're listening to the things about Christ that would fan that flame for Him, so it doesn't matter. There's a lot of things that matter to us. Pastors, numbers of, can matter. 
or, or buildings or problems with church people or the board of elders. You know, there's, there's, there's a bunch of things that affect, that can get on a pastor's head or TV programs or whatever. You know, there's, there's a bunch of things that can, that can get like that. And, but in your world, it might be family or children or paying the mortgage. And these become heavily weighing things that obscure, that drown out the voice. But I'd like you at the start of this year to make it your number one pursuit as a C3SYD person to say, Jesus Christ is my pursuit. I'm going to live with Him. I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to refresh my fire, my heartbeat for Him. Everything I'm going to do is for the Lord. I've wanted Him to do so much for me. And I've become disappointed when it didn't happen. And now I'm walking around with a grudge against God. I'm going to get rid of all of that and get rid of my self-orientated life and lay it down and say, Jesus, I'd like to start living for You and with You. And you're going to find yourself in a new dimension, especially in the realm of peace, especially in the realm of the peace that comes from the presence of God. We've got to find our way back sometimes from a very busy, noisy lifestyle into the presence of the Lord. It means turning some things off we want to leave on. It can mean turning off the TV. I never turn the television on in the mornings. I walk into a lot of people's homes, the TV's on. The first thing they do is turn that TV on. Chris and I never have a TV on. Not, not anywhere during the day. Around six o'clock when we sit down maybe to eat something watch the news, watch a bit of this, a bit of that, but I'm not going to let that thing fill our house with its atmosphere. I want this atmosphere. And this is takeaway. You don't have to leave this here. You can go into your house and switch some things off. And feel the presence of God. I think, wow, this is satisfying my soul. Father, I thank You for the power of Your Holy Spirit here today. And I believe, God, that You will speak into every heart here and help us, Lord, not be searching for some emotional hype, but that we search for a genuine relationship with the Son of God. 